Hello everyone, I'm Al Del Deegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. We're supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Alan Marston is a successful corporate executive heading up departments in business development, sales, marketing, and human resources. As a serial entrepreneur, Alan has over 18 years experience in the technology startup space and was the CEO of his own Silicon Valley company. Currently founder of Zenoshi.io, Alan is building a universal rewards card program on the blockchain. You are about to hear Alan's conversation with fellow rainforester, Gary Gunthorpe. I can't wait to hear this one. Take it away, Alan. Hello, everyone. I am here today with Gary Gunthorpe. And uh, Gary, thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you for the time. Okay. So, Gary, I wanted to, you know, we want to talk about, uh, you've had a tremendous amount of experience in business, uh, you know, uh, in fact, I'm going to ask you about some of these things like, uh, you know, being the founding director of Alberta Deal Generator and all that kind of stuff. But let's start with this. I mean, I think the audience would love to know, what were the series of events that took you from growing up to being the business person you eventually became? You know, what what were the significant things that happened in your younger years, maybe? Oh, that- God, this started a long time ago. Uh, so when I was in grade 11 and 12, I actually ran a trap line and... Uh, you know, made a few hundred dollars back then <laughs> per year, um, walking in the cold, 40 below. And then when I went through university, uh, three summers, I built, uh, designed and built uh, boats, power boats, and sold them. So I made a little mo- money there. Plus, I was working a uh, regular job. Uh, one summer, I actually sold uh, some Altec Lansing Voice of the Theater speakers to, to, to the university uh, auditoriums. So I built those over Christmas. So I kind of been, it was never entrepreneurship or startups or anything like that. I think those words didn't even exist back then. Uh, but yeah, that sort of gave me the bug. First job out of school was with a company called EIM Controls, which was a joint venture between a Calgary company and and a Houston company. Um, I wasn't part of it, but I was it was a job. And uh, so I, I actually ran a machine shop and and a, a assembly and shipping and all that. I didn't do any of the sales or money stuff, but I actually put in the first uh, CNC lathe in Alberta in 1972, I guess. From there, I ended up with Calgary Power, uh, which is now Transalta, and uh, I lasted three years there. But work—it was a good company to work for. It really was, but it wasn't me. Um, so a very short time working, basically, to become a, a partner in a electrical engineering power type thing. Um, I found out that the the other owner was a bit shady. And so I quit, and a friend of mine, Doug Fraser, basically put his arm around me and said, 
You know, you kind of got two choices. You can be one of, he called them white knucklers that are going to work downtown and don't like it. Or you can find something to do that you do like. And he said, go find something and I'll back you. And Doug became my mentor even to this day. Doug's 92. So, yeah. Um, and what I did was I found that there was a need for uh, uh, drilling recorders. They were mechanical back then. Uh, so we made the first computerized, they're called EDRs, elect electronic drilling recorders in 1978. And we were going gangbusters until our friend Trudeau pulled this NDP thing and the price of the uh, royalties and his tax that he added exceeded the world price of oils and nobody built, everybody shut their rigs down and basically we lost over half our rigs left the country. Uh, so I had to what they call pivot now. We called it, oh shit, now what are we gonna do? <laughs> And uh, we designed the world's first computerized taxi meter, the CompuCab. And it's still made today in Calgary and sold worldwide. I mean, it's changed a bit, but yeah. Um, so that sort of got me hooked on, on designing and, and building hard, what I call hard products. And, uh, and 1978, therefore, was the start of Delta T. Um, after uh, almost going bankrupt, uh, I sold out, uh, not Delta T, but the, the CompuCab to Global Thermal Electric and, and moved out to Bassano. That got in big trouble in, after about two years. So I moved back here and fired up Delta T again and, and brought in a partner, Don James. So that would be 86, well, the year of the Olympics just before that because we did a a job for the Olympics and since then I don't know we've probably done a hundred or more projects and I've been involved in on the board and investing in and so on and so forth um, over 26 startups to date so two years ago I decided I'd had enough and it was time to retire I sold my company to three of the guys that have been with me forever or my share of the company Don's still in there and uh, retired two weeks later i was bored stiff so i came back and now i'm mentoring startups and playing around in that world even started my own startup of all stupid things i like to say my name is gary and i'm an addict <laughs> <laughs> so gary that's that's a very interesting story i mean you had a lot of firsts there uh, a lot of uh, things uh, i mean the first uh, taxi cab meter my goodness and uh, still being made here in calgary that's incredible so uh what was the most interesting project i mean you you've, you've said you had 26 startups you've worked on and mentored and uh what was the most interesting project that uh, uh you ever worked on well in interesting in in a good way uh it's probably cultiva so basically it it was the first uh, graphical type the um, guidance system for farm equipment out in the field. Um, so the story behind that is there was a, a public company uh, in Calgary hired us to design this thing, which we did. And just as it got time to launch, 
they decided that they were going to do a, a color one with 3D and all this on it. So they went out to the market and they said, well, you know, don't buy this one that we already got. Um, wait till we come out with a 3D. Well, that promptly bankrupted the company because they had no sales. And uh, our contract basically says that uh, we own it until we get paid. And we didn't get paid when the company went bankrupt. So I ended up owning this technology. And what do I know about selling to the ag world? So we teamed up with a company, uh, Inotag, out of Saint-Jean, Quebec. And they were ag guys. Actually, one of them was an ag engineer. And they went out and did, they raised a million dollars and went out and did the marketing. And we did all the manufacturing and a couple of, couple of major revisions to the design. So that won uh, Best New Product Award in the ag industry in Europe in the year 2000. And it got an honorable mention at the Paris Design Awards uh, for engineering excellence. So that, that's kind of our, the good side of that story. The bad side was they raised the money from uh, Casta Depot, which is a big Quebec VC. And three years in, um, they lost really big money on two deals that they'd done. So what they did is they basically went and sold all the good deals they had, one of which was us, and there was a drag-along clause in there. So we had to sell for a lot less than it was worth because they forced us to. So that's now actually owned by Trimble. I see. Okay. Uh, interesting story. So now uh, uh, you said something just now, and this is an example of that, you know, I don't prepare for these interviews. I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you a bunch of questions. So you just said something that uh, I never heard before. And because uh, I've been talking to you and you said you have your own startup. Oh. Can you talk about that or is that in stealth yeah. mode or no, where no, is that? No. Okay. So three years ago, uh, back up some more. Delta T uh, has developed uh, three over the years, three different um, mud logging instruments. So basically what they do is they uh, measure the amount of uh, combustible gas in the mud when they're drilling so they can tell when they hit pay dirt. Uh, the last one we did uh, actually was able to, to separate uh, methane and propane plus the total combustibles. And the market has shifted so that the market wants to see all of the hydrocarbons, at least up to C5, separated. So we thought we could do it with uh, spectroscopy, basically the science of light. And I was talking about this, and a friend of mine in Oklahoma um, got a hold of a friend of his who's one of the largest mudloggers in the States. And Chris, that's the owner, he's, an, he's my age, he phones me up and he says, Mark tells me you guys can develop this thing. And I, oh yeah, I think we could. Um, he says, well, you know, what would it take? And I said, I don't know, six, eight months, maybe something like that. Boy, was I wrong. And he said, well, how much would it cost? And I said, I don't know, $50,000 a month, maybe something like that. Oh, okay. He says, thank you. And he hung up. About two weeks later, my accountant comes to me and says, where did this $50,000 come from? And Chris literally has spent 600000 U.S. without one piece of paper or even a handshake. 
And the first way we tried to do it didn't work. Just that simple. Um, we struggled. We worked with a company, I won't mention their name, locally, who turned out to be a gong show. And then uh, we came up with our own way. And basically, I spent a lot of my own money because I felt so obligated. And uh, back in November, we shipped the first product down to them. And it's been on, it's on its fifth hole right now. And it's doing a good job. So, yeah. Why I ever got into this, my own at, at, at this age, I have no idea. But there's where we're at. I'm, I'm about to try and hire a young uh, MBA engineer to come in and eventually run the show because I don't have the energy anymore. So, Gary, what's the if, if you had some advice for entrepreneurs? Uh, I mean, I know that one of the things that I've learned is I've made lots of plans over the years. And, uh, you know, I think there's a saying out there that says uh, man plans and God laughs. Those plans never always work out. But what do you have uh, that you would tell entrepreneurs that are working hard? Maybe there are entrepreneurs that are just getting started after this uh, latest oil bust that we've had, and they're getting into the entrepreneurial world. Any advice for them? I mean, obviously, you've been in the trenches for a long time. Yeah, and, and you know, at least once a week, I, I meet with somebody that's got some idea that they want to go forward with. And um, I'll put this out there. Anybody wants to talk to me, it's free. Just come here and sit down and we'll chat. Um, there seems to be two things. I'm, I'm going to talk about hard products because these apps and stuff I don't understand. Um, the first thing is everybody wants to get a patent right off the bat. And most cases, that's a waste of money and it's way too soon. So... Don't go chasing a patent. Go chasing a go chase an actual product. Why is it a waste of money? Well, a lot of these patents that you can get are are uh, so narrow that it's so easy to get around. And I mean, it's a prestige thing. I got a patent. Well, yeah, I got my name on twenty three patents, but who gives a hoot, really? Uh, and nobody buys technology. They all people buy market share. So just because you got a patent, you can't sell it. And you're better to spend the little bit of money you've got on actually getting a product move forward. But what would you tell people that are saying, you know, I've got to patent it, otherwise somebody's going to steal this particular thing? Um, if somebody wants to steal it and you have a patent, you have several million dollars to defend the patent. Good point. So, I mean, that... That's one bugaboo. The other is, I mean, you, you really have to understand your market need. Um, and it's real easy to miss that mark. It's, it's, people are nice. And if you go ask them, what do you think of this? Do you think this is a good idea? 90% of the people will just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey, that's exciting. Just because they're being nice to you. So it's, it's hard to hit that nail on the head. And, you know, I've been involved with lots of them where we missed it. It's that simple. So I'm assuming you've had some failures as well. They, well, have, they the, haven't all been successes. <laughs> the, the best example is our pill counter. So two pharmacists retired uh, came to us, and, and, and the story is simple. Um, pharmacists spend 30% of their careers going one, two, three, four, five counting pills. They go to school for, for seven years, 
and they spent 30% of their life doing this boring thing, counting, right? So why don't we make a little machine, sits on a desk, and does the counting for them? Frees them up to talk to clients, all kinds of great things. Gets rid of this boring nonsense. So away we went. So we got a, a counter designed and, and, and manufactured and uh, landed. It cost me $150 and a three-month ROI was $3,000. So we sold it for $3,000. Think about that for margins. Selling it became a nightmare. The pharmacy industry is very paranoid. They're very worried about giving you the wrong drug, giving you too many, giving you bad advice and all of that. And counting that had to be accurate, even though nobody goes home and counts their pills. So for instance, co-op was looking at buying 12 of these things and they counted 64,000 pills manually and by the thing, it was out by eight. Well, who was out by eight, right? So after struggling for a long time with this darn thing, uh, we basically discovered that because they're so uptight and worried about things, going one, two, three is a mantra. It's relaxing. It's a way to, to meditate almost, and I didn't want to lose it. So we missed the market need by a mile. <laughs> right, right, right. Very good point, Gary. So, Gary, I want to just switch focus for just a bit because you and I uh, met uh, at the rainforest. Uh, right. Now, not in the rainforest in the Amazon, but at the rain, <laughs> rainforest Alberta uh, here in Calgary. And uh, there are going to be people listening to this that have not uh, heard about the rainforest. Uh, I'm not going to explain it here, but I wanted to ask you, uh, you've been around the rainforest for quite a while, I think. Oh, yeah, since, well, I don't know, a year and a half at least of the two years that it's been in existence. What's your what's your take on it? What what have you gotten out of it? What have you been able to contribute? Of Obviously, mentorship, but what have you gotten out of it? Well, first of all, a little explanation. The Rainforest meets every Wednesday at noon, and uh, except for a little bit in the summer even. But uh, I don't think I've ever gone to a meeting where I didn't meet somebody who I could help or they could help me or it was fun talking to them or, I mean, it just, every meeting, every meeting. Um, the, the comment I'd like to make, this is our third, the third oil patch turndown that I've been through. And every time it happens, the province is going to diversify. I mean, the, the words come out, the politicians come out, they start throwing money at shit. And all three times, um, We've started an organization to to group the companies together and meet. The first one was Electronic Industry Association of Alberta. The next one was CCAT, Calgary Council of Advanced Technology, and now Rainforest. And, uh, you know, the others did okay, but, you know, just didn't really work. I mean, but the Rainforest, it's working. I mean, if there's a chance, it's the rainforest is 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 the meeting place for that chance. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, Lunch Without Lunch takes place every Wednesday. A great place to meet people. I've met all kinds of incredible people, including yourself. Uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, the social contract is amazing. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and I think that people, we need more and more people to come and see what we're doing uh, with this grassroots organization. Uh do you you try to get out to every single lunch without lunch? Uh, yeah, unless unless I'm away or you know I have a meeting like mm-hmm. this sometimes. But um, the the big difference from the, of the rainforest from the others. The others were organizations. We had a board of directors and volunteers, and you know we we did things. Whereas this is just people meeting people, people helping people. There, it's not an organization. It's, it's a movement, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. And, and so you don't get the, the volunteer burnout and whatnot that, that we always struggled with with the other two. Right, right. That's a good point. Uh, so what about uh, Alberta Deal Generator? That's something that you founded uh, when, why? Oh, God. That was 10, 12 years ago. They uh, was part of the, the last downturn or the one before that, I suppose. Anyway, the idea was that uh, you know startups and, and whatnot needed to have access to capital. Story's still the same. And so the Alberta government decided that they would try and foster a, a group of, of angels to get together and, and talk about investing and meet with companies and those kinds of things. So they sponsored a meeting in Red Deer. And uh, some people came down from Edmonton and some people came up from Calgary and we spent the day kind of planning this thing out. And the idea was that uh, we would try and find companies that were ready to do a, a reasonable pitch to raise money. And uh, we would meet once a month for a lunch type thing. And two or three companies would would do a pitch and maybe a couple of us could get together and invest in it. Uh, and the same group would go to Edmonton and, and Calgary. It, it sort of settled down to be just Calgary um, over the years. And and the one thing we discovered is that we were getting a lot of garbage. You know, it would maybe a good idea, but they hadn't a clue how to pitch it. And uh, so CTI, Calgary Technologies, which became Innovate, which is now back to Calgary Technologies, thank goodness, um, took on the task of, of uh, training and, and uh, pitch coaching. And obviously a lot of people were coming there with, with new ideas and they hosted it in their big boardroom there. Um, guy by the name of Alex Rosenko uh, was the, the guy doing the pitching. Unfortunately, Alex uh, got cancer. We lost him, but um, there was a, uh, several years where the Alberta deal generator invested more um, in angel funding than any other province in the in the country through this mechanism. So it, it worked fairly good. It sort of got off track. I won't necessarily go why, but it, it got off track because it was forced into uh, looking at, at much more mature companies and not startups. And you know, the angels lost interest and the guy that was leading it got disgruntled and, and, and left and the whole thing has kind of fallen apart. Hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Alex Rosenko. He was one of my mentors. Uh, oh, uh, Alex, uh, after it fell apart, Alex and I decided we were going to do a an accelerator. And so Alex was in here full time and the two of us were charging away at it when it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, another guy that was a mentor of mine when I started my first company and took it to Silicon Valley was Alistair Ross, who uh, the mm. Calgary Technologies is- uh, Yeah, is, building. Uh, yeah, is named after. Did I you know never, Alistair? No, never yeah. met him. Yeah, okay. So uh, one final question that I have for you and I'd, I'd like you to elaborate on is uh, what is what does the future hold for you? Uh, you know, I mean, you talk about being retired. You got a lot of energy, and I see you still getting into the boardroom here, uh, talking to people. You're always mentoring people. You've mentored me as well. You've talked to me about my project. Uh, what's in the future for you? I mean, and and a by a second part of that question is have. Has your entrepreneurialism uh, transferred to your kids, your grandkids? Do you see that? I'm Gary, and I'm an addict. <laughs> uh, Are I, they I, addicted? <laughs> I turned I turned seventy one in in, uh, in uh, Sunday, so happy I mean, birthday! As long as I've got the energy, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. I guess. Uh, you know, I'm going to force myself not to do my own. I'll, I'll live by visteriously or whatever that word is with from others. But, um, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to other people and seeing their vision and whatnot. Um, so I'm, I'm mentoring five right now. Um, only one of which is a high tech of any kind. And then even that's pretty low tech. So... Uh, yeah. So as far as my kids, uh, I got three kids, uh, a daughter and, and two sons. My oldest son uh, just moved to Halifax because his wife got promoted and, and they moved her there. And he works for an Israeli company, but uh, right out of school, he started his own company or him and him and the prof, actually, uh, which failed after 12 years. Um, sad story. But anyway, um the Israeli company he works for just got bought out by a big American company, so I don't know where that's going. My youngest son um, basically has taken over for me in here. He's always worked here. And my daughter's a, a dental assistant, so she doesn't have the bug. <laughs> How old are the grandkids, Gary? Uh, well, my oldest son has got uh, a son, and he turns two and a half next month. And my daughter has a has a, a baby girl who turns one in on the 18th. So I imagine uh, the downtime for this entrepreneur, you, uh, uh, is uh, with the grandkids. Uh, what else do you enjoy doing? Well, the the I can see uh, sitting on an airplane going to Halifax in my future here. <laughs> Uh, I, I do woodwork. I, I, I'm, anybody that's interested in woodwork, uh, look up saws.ca. It's a 39-year-old uh, woodworking society here in Calgary. Absolute fabulous bunch of guys. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, small stuff. I don't do big stuff. I've done some tables and that kind of thing. Um, so I tinker away. I got a little bit of a shop in my daughter's old bedroom and 
that kind of thing. Right, right. Well, Gary, this has been an interesting conversation. I thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, uh, if there were any final words that I haven't touched on, have you got anything else that you'd like to add to this? No, I mean, it's been enjoyable and whatnot. But uh, so anybody listening, you got an idea, just do it. Don't don't procrastinate. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Great advice. Great advice. Well, thank you, Gary. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.